I'm real excited about this summer. We are going to have two different series, uh, one in June and one in July. Both of those will be uh, teaching uh, series. So for the next four weeks, uh, we are going to talk about and really think about uh, the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Um, My hope is that we really open ourselves up to God speaking to us. Uh, And so I want you to pray with me this morning as we start our our message. Would you pray? Most gracious God, we thank you for your spirit. We pray, O Lord, for this moment. Lead us. Speak to us. Make yourself known. And may this experience transform us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the Bible, 800 times uh, the Bible throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, uh, talk to us about Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost or the Spirit of God or the Spirit of Truth. 800 different times. Throughout Scripture, you see it from the beginning to the end. Let's look at just one quick passage from the creation story. Genesis 1, verse 2 says, The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Now, the word that's translated spirit in the Old Testament, we have talked about this before, but let me remind you of this word. It's the word ruach. Say that. Ruach. And it it, it means breath of God, but it's not like this breath that's just like normal breath. It's, It's translated in a word that would mean this violent exhalation of breath. So it's this... It's this blast of breath. And so what we see is the description is used in the Old Testament is is the Holy Spirit comes to us with power. Now in the New Testament, we get a different word. In the New Testament in Greek, it's the word pneuma. So say that, pneuma. It means that it's the same thing. It's a blast of breath that we see. Now in the Old Testament, what would happen is the Spirit of God would come upon you and then it would leave you. So you can go and see in in the person of Saul, the Spirit of God comes on Saul, and then it leaves Saul. Same is true for David. Um, If you go and read the story of David, he he has the the sin with Bathsheba. And what does he pray for? He prays for God not to remove his spirit, because that's how the spirit worked in the Old Testament. He says, please don't take your spirit from me. But in the New Testament, when Jesus comes and then Jesus leaves, he, he leaves us his spirit, and then he leaves us the spirit with the promise that it will never leave you nor forsake you. So when you talk to this woman who is that you encounter with her, it, it is God, God, that's the gift of the spirit, that it will never leave us or forsake us. And then... If you go and look at how the Holy Spirit works, the Holy Spirit descends upon it like a dove in in, in the New Testament, and then it it creates people to to speak in different languages and do all of these miraculous things, and then it empowers the people, the believers, with gifts, and then it, uh, it, it allows us to be able to experience the fruit of the Spirit, which is Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. All of that is a product of being able to experience the Holy Spirit. And yet, so many of us, not just in this church, but so many of us in church, we live a spirit-less life. We don't fully embrace 
the relationship with God, the way that God created that relationship to be. And so we're going to spend four weeks, and my hope is that we just kind of talk about just some foundational principles about the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Now, I did not grow up in the United Methodist Church. I have shared that with you all before. I grew up in a mix between the Baptist Church and the Church of God. Quite an interesting mix. Uh, but, but I grew up with this. I understood, for me at least, I understood God Father, okay, because I, I had a father. And now I am a father. And so that, that part of God kind of I, I got. Uh, I understood to some degree, I think, God's son because people showed me pictures of Jesus. Uh, maybe distorted pictures, but they showed me pictures of Jesus. They showed me pictures. And so I, I could relate and say, okay, I, I get God's son. Um, God's spirit, I was just a little weird for me. Um, I, 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 and I grew up with... I'm not bashing anything. It's just my grow. I grew up, and the people that were talking to me about spirit, they were weird. And so I, it was just like this whole connection to God's spirit was just strange for me. Um, and I don't know what your experience is. Because every church, every denomination, every, everybody's different. I mean, there are some denominations, and I, I was in a church that was very much everything was about the Holy Spirit. And if you did not have, let's just say it, if you did not have the gift of tongues, then you were less than as a Christian. That was how the church that I was in uh, presented itself. And so I kind of rebelled against that. And so then it began to go to churches where we just didn't talk about the Spirit. All right? So it was just much easier to let's talk God Father and let's talk God Son, but let's just not work much on God's Spirit. Either response to me is an inadequate understanding of God's spirit. You can overemphasize it and you can underemphasize it. And so what I want us to spend a few weeks is just thinking about how does scripture present spirit to us? Um, what does scripture say is the benefit to us as believers? So we're, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to encourage you to turn to John chapter 14. We're going to start there. John chapter 14, we come across this passage where Jesus is trying to comfort his, his disciples because he knows he's fixing to leave, he's fixing to die. And so he's coming to them and saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to die. And so here, here is how this is going to play out for you. And so we get these words in John chapter 14, verses 16 through 17. It says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. So here we get the promise. So the Spirit's not there for just a little while. The Spirit will never leave you. It says, he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So the counselor is the Holy Spirit. The advocate is the Holy Spirit. He, it's the spirit of truth. And the scripture says that the world cannot receive him because they're not looking for him. And I, and I think in some ways that relates to how I was as a young person. Um, I, I wasn't looking for Holy Spirit, and so I was not able to truly understand Holy Spirit, and I was not able to accept. But Jesus goes on to say, but you know him. Now, 
The first thing that's interesting to me about this passage is you have to begin to start asking yourself the question. When you look at Holy Spirit, you have to ask yourself the, whole, the question of, do you see Holy Spirit as an it? Or as a he? Or as a person? We talked about this at staff, and it was interesting as we talked about the Holy Spirit that we, we would say the Holy Spirit is person, but we often referred to it as it. But Jesus, notice, Jesus says he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you. So Jesus refers to him as a person. He is the third person. He is God in spirit form. And you can watch in scripture how the Holy Spirit plays out. The Holy Spirit has has emotions. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is person. The Bible goes on to say that the Holy Spirit loves you. And Jesus says, I'm going to go away so, that the, so the Spirit can be with you. And the word that is used here, the Greek word, is the word parakletos. It comes from the Greek word paraklete. And this is two words that are put together. The word para, which means to come alongside. And then the word Kletos, which is from Kaleo, which is called. So the Holy Spirit is God who is called to come alongside the believer. That is how the, Holy, how the Scripture has presented the Holy Spirit to us. And the way that it's translated is the word intercessor. So who is the Holy Spirit? He is the one who intercedes. He is the one who prays for me. He is the one who guides me. He is the one who counsels me. He is the one who convicts me. He is the one who fills me up. He is the one who empowers me. He is the one who emboldens me. He is the Holy Spirit. Third person of God. Very literally, he is your friend. And we often think about how do we want God to be with us? And if I were to say to you, okay, would you like Jesus to, to be here by your side? Many of us would say, now that sounds really cool. If I had Jesus to walk with me every day, okay, if I get a headache, I turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, I have a headache. Lays hands on me, poof, your headache is gone, right? You say, Jesus, you know, I've got somebody who's sick. Somebody in my family gets a bad diagnosis. Jesus, take care of that. Lays hands on them. Boom, they're feeling better, right? You have friends over and all you have is Cheetos and a Sprite. You say, Jesus... <laughs> I need something, and all of a sudden, everybody has Cheetos and Sprite for everybody. That, that sounds really good for us, and so we like the idea, okay, Jesus, if he was right here beside me, would be the best thing ever. But Jesus, who knows all, says that there is something better. He says there's something better for us. There's something better for us as believers than Jesus to be here in the flesh. Listen in 16 verse 7. But in fact, it is best for you, disciples, believers, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. So we might think that this is the way that we would like it, but Jesus says that it's actually best for us as believers and disciples in Jesus 
that he goes away so that we get the Holy Spirit to be with us. It's actually better for us. So then we have to stop and think, okay, well then what does the Holy Spirit actually do? Because the struggle that we have, if we're honest, is that we see a lot of people in the church, we see a lot of Christians in the world who don't look a whole lot different than the world. Right? We're bound to the same sin that other people. We have a a prayer life that is flat or we don't pray at all. We look a lot like the world. We're full of anxiety and stress and worry. We are no different than the world. We believe in Jesus and yet we are living with no real power. Why? And I believe a lot of that has to do with how we understand Holy Spirit. Why do we live spiritless lives? I think part of it is simply that we're unaware of it. I hear people say, you know, well, if you're, I've heard about the Holy Spirit, but I've never really experienced anything like that. I've heard about the Holy Spirit, but I don't really know much about the Holy Spirit. Folks, this is not something that is unique to us. It's not something that just happens in our lifetime. You can see this in Scripture. Let me just share with you a story that comes in, chap- in chapter 19 of Acts. Paul is, is traveling. He says, while, Paul, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. And he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we've not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. So these people in the scripture goes on. They obviously were not at Pentecost. They later, they were baptized by, by John the Baptist. And it, it, they said, we don't know anything about him. And my argument would be is that many of us are sitting here today and that would be a very similar situation. We've heard about him. We've heard about the Holy Spirit, but we, we don't really know anything about the Holy Spirit. And there are Christians all over this world, there are Christians all over this room who are trying to live a life with Jesus Christ without the victory, the power, the boldness, the, 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 the spirit of, of, of gifts that the Holy Spirit offers us when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to hear something, and I realize there's times in sermons you kind of check in, check out. Please check in right now. Because this is really important. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available to every one of you. So it's not that Jesus raised himself from the dead. Jesus was raised from the dead. And the power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to every believer. Do we take advantage of it? So many of us are living spiritless lives because we are unaware of the Holy Spirit. And then I think a second thing, just being honest, is I think we resist the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, maybe we are aware of it. Maybe we hear the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit tells us, we've got two choices and the Holy Spirit tells us which one is good for us and which one is bad for us, but we want to do the one that's bad for us. And the Holy Spirit says, don't do that. And we say, but I'm going to do it anyway. What are we doing? We're resisting the prompting of the Holy Spirit. 
Or maybe the Holy Spirit says, go and do this. And this is really going to be good. It's really going to help somebody. And you go, but that would require me to, to have to give up my Saturday afternoon. And I had plans. And so I don't really want to do that. And we resist the Holy Spirit. And what happens is we can resist the Holy Spirit to where we become hard to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Stephen, he kind of lashes out to the Sanhedrin uh, in, in the book of Acts. I want y'all to listen to this word, and, and this is a hard word for us because I feel like this is the word to us many times. Listen to what he says in Acts 7.51. You stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. See, some of us, we, we're not even aware, not even opening ourselves up to the Holy Spirit, but some of us resist it. And we often stop and go, well, how do we, how do you know that the Holy Spirit is prompting you? How do you know that this is the Holy Spirit that is talking to you? One of the things that I loved in our discussion with staff, Michael shared with the, with the staff, is he had to get to the place where he saw Holy Spirit as person so that he could recognize that he could look at the Holy Spirit as, as person and so he could picture the Holy Spirit sitting in the car seat next to him and so that he could talk to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit could talk back to him. So part of that may be us letting go of it and moving Holy Spirit to he. I look at it and think, okay, if the Holy Spirit prompts me or if I feel like the, the nudgings prompts me to do something that is selfless, that is probably God. If it's something that benefits me and is very selfish in nature, it's probably a whole lot of Andy uh, and not a whole lot of God because I am a selfish person by nature. So are you. And so if it's something that is selfish, it, it's probably not of God that is prompting us. If it's something that God is prompting me that, that is sacrificial in nature, or if I feel like something is prompting me sacrificial in nature, that's probably God. If, if it's something that I can see clearly, this is something I have the capability of doing and I can do it well and I can do everything the way that's supposed to be done, that is probably not God. If it's something that scares me to absolute death and I don't see how it's going to be possible and I don't know how I'm going to accomplish it, that is probably Holy Spirit. Because it takes something that I cannot do by myself it causes me to lean into God and to trust God more. It's something that I cannot manufacture. That is probably Holy Spirit. So many times what we do is the Holy Spirit prompts us, it scares us, we resist it, and therefore we resist the Holy Spirit and it causes us to become hard to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. So I want us to think for just a moment, what does the Holy Spirit do for believers? What, what benefit, if, God, if Jesus says that it's best for us that, that he leaves so that the Holy Spirit can come to us, what is it that the Holy Spirit does for us? And I'll give you three things this morning. The Holy Spirit, one, he will comfort you. The Holy Spirit is comforter. 
I have preached that my whole ministry. The Holy Spirit is comforter. Until I had loss in my life, I didn't know what that meant. I preached it. I believed it. But I never experienced it. When my father-in-law died, I saw God carry me, my wife, my mother-in-law, through something that was extremely difficult. And I saw God comfort us. I watch many of you where something happens to you in your life. I go to see you at the hospital and there is a peace about you that is not human. That's God. The spirit of truth, the spirit of God comforts you is what scripture tells us. And that's possible, that's available to all of us. When, when chaos hits our world, our family, our lives, we have the ability to tap into the power of God and be comforted by the Holy Spirit. One, he comforts you. Second, he counsels you. You don't know what to do. He can direct you. The Holy Spirit can, can direct you, can help you. In John 16, 13, it says, He's the Spirit of truth comes. He will guide you in all truth. You don't know what to do. Begin to pray for the Holy Spirit to offer you wisdom. Begin to pray for the Holy Spirit to offer you guidance. Pray that. Be that part of God that, that comes to you and shares with you how, how you're supposed to move. The question becomes so many times, do you even ask God? When you have decisions that have to be made in your house, you have to, decisions that have to be made in your life, is God's second, third, fourth person that you go to if you go to him at all? Or do you start with the Holy Spirit? He will guide you. I mean, literally, every day, you can pray to the Holy Spirit for him to show you what you're supposed to do, the steps you're supposed to take. I love this picture in Isaiah. Listen to this. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. It says, your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. Don't you love that picture that, that the Holy Spirit is with you and is able to to guide you and is able to, to direct you and able to tell you which way you're, you're supposed to go. But, but folks, you, you have to ask the Holy Spirit. You have to draw, let the Holy Spirit draw you in. So he will comfort you. He will counsel you. And then the third, we hate this one. He will convict you. He will convict you. In John chapter 16, it says, When the Spirit comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. There are plenty of people probably in this room right now who the Holy Spirit is convicting that there's something in your life that you do not need to be doing. That is the Spirit of God telling you to not do it. There's also people in this room, my guess would be, is that there are people in this room that you don't even know why you're here. 
something, I'm not talking about just today, something led you to this place, that, that, that there's something that has drawn you here. That is the Spirit of God that is drawing you in, that is convicting you that, 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 of a need for God. That is how the Spirit works. He will show you those parts of your life that you need to let go of. He will draw you into himself so that you're able to experience his fullness, his grace. He will comfort you, he will counsel you, and he will convict you. If I were to ask you, do you believe today, if you are a believer, do you believe in Jesus Christ? You believe that Jesus was sent to this earth because God loves you and that he lived a sinless life and that he died for you and that he was raised from the dead. My guess would be as a believer, all of you probably would say, yes, I believe that. But the story doesn't end there. See, also our story is that he sent the Holy Spirit to empower you. To be available for other people. My prayer is that we begin to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And that we listen. And that we are faithful, truly walking by faith. As we listen to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's pray. Most gracious God, we, we thank you for your spirit. And Lord, I realize that so many of us grew up having been in church that was either overemphasizing spirit or underemphasizing spirit. Right now, God, I pray for every person in this room. Can we just let go of what we thought to be true? And may we just ask for more of your spirit. More of your spirit in this place. More of your spirit in us. I pray, Lord. There are so many that are going through such difficult situations. I pray for your spirit to comfort them. And I pray that we cry out for you. I pray, Lord, that we listen to your direction, that we don't resist you, that we listen for you to tell us whether we're supposed to go left or right, that we, that we, that we listen to what you desire for us and that we follow that. And also pray for, Lord, for your spirit to convict us. Our goal is to be more like you. And at least I know that there are parts of me that, that are not. Convict me. Show me those things. Give me the strength to stand up and let those go so that I'm more available for you. Lord, I pray for those who you are drawing into, the, into yourself, who just feel the need 
to be close to you. May your spirit work. May your spirit move in them. We give you the praise and the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.